what happens when history tells us a civilization has vanished, disappeared, gone, kapoof. Naturally, we assume that the languages spoken by those civilizations have gone too, right? That all citizens and descendants took them to the grave, leaving only some etchings at ruins of once great cities, which leaves lots of work for people who like deciphering stuff to decipher the pieces of the language spoken by these people. And, of course, the juicy, gory details of history are the ones we hear about first. The human sacrifice, the end of the world predictions. Well, not really. Think of this episode as a bit of a myth buster, answering the questions you didn't even know you had about a language that you didn't even know still existed. Welcome to Language Stories, a podcast discovering languages around the world and meeting the people who speak them. I'm Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages, a language-obsessed chica on the constant exploration of languages, no matter where I am in the world. And this episode, welcome to Merida, Mexico, where we're hearing the story of Yucatec Maya. First things first, let me start by saying it's okay. It's not your fault. I thought the same as you until I came here and spoke to speakers of Yucatec Maya. I thought that the Maya built some temples, lived in southern Mexico and parts of Central America... And that was about all my British school history lessons taught me about this distant civilization until 2012 when the Maya are hitting front pages for predicting the end of the world. To be honest though, Gangnam Style, that guy jumping out of the Red Bull plane from space, the London Olympics, we would have gone out on a high. Let's start by clearing up a few of those myths. Firstly, the Maya didn't predict the end of the world. It's just when their calendar ended probably because some poor soul's hand got tired of writing out all the dates. Secondly, the whole human sacrifice thing is like a really tiny, tiny bit that was hardly mentioned at any of the Mayan sites we visited. They deserve to be known for so much more than that. Third, Maya isn't just one language, but more on that later. And finally, Mayan people still exist today. Yes. They believe that the Mayan is a dead language, but it's alive and fully well. To give us an introduction to what we're about to get into, we met with my friend Carlos, not a Mayan descendant, but an inhabitant of the Yucatan Peninsula nonetheless. Hola, hello, Vishubel. Uh, my name is Carlos, so I live here in the Yucatan area. I speak English, um, Spanish, um, French and some Mayans and... I really love this region and I have a passion for teaching and also discovering languages. To begin, I asked him for a brief history of the region. Yucatan is one of the later regions that emerged in in history, they say, because it's um, there was a period when the world was joined into one continent, and they say that this region of Yucatan emerged. So that's why we have very few um, rivers or lakes or um, mountains. So it's a very flat land. It's full of hard rock, so it's definitely very hard to pierce through here but uh, we also have lots of um, underground water which is what it's known for and that's why stone it's like just what we have here a lot so that's what gave birth to um, the classical Mayan um, archaeological sites that we know today. And by common Mayan archaeological sites Carlos could be referring to anything from Chichen Itza and Palenque in southern Mexico right the way down to the northwestern tip of Honduras at Capan. The mines lived across quite a diverse and, well, big area. This explains the true answer to one of those common misconceptions about Maya, that it's only one language. 
when in fact the word Mayan in English technically refers to a whole language family of 27 to 32 languages, depending on who you ask, some of which have died, but many of which are still spoken today across the region. The language of that language family that we're focusing on for this episode is what linguists often refer to as Yucatec Maya to help avoid confusion. And why might there be confusion? Well, in Spanish, here in the Yucatan, the words la lengua maya, or just simply maya, are often used to describe the language Yucatec Maya. It wasn't until we visited the Gran Museo del Mundo Maya, the Great Museum of the Mayan World, in Merida, that I discovered for myself just how many Mayan languages there actually are, and why I was getting so confused talking to people about it in Spanish. I asked Merna, who we'll hear more from later on, to clear this up further and explain a little more about the expanse of Mayan languages. So when you visit Yucatan, you may find uh, the same same style of Mayan, because we speak the same in Yucatan, Campeche and Quintana Roo. But also, as you may know, Mayan culture involves Guatemala, Belize, kind of Salvador, Chiapas also in Mexico. So that's why we have those differences between the Yucatecan Maya and the Maya, which is spoken of Central America. At least in Yucatan, Campeche and Quintana Roo, we have the same language. Of course, as many of the languages, we have some variations between the South and Yucatan. We use some words that are not really common in the West, for example. But it's just like, that's, of course, in every language, I guess. I find it fascinating that an area as vast as Myrna describes, from the south of Mexico to the tip of Honduras and El Salvador, was and is home to so many languages beyond the expected Spanish. I was curious to know how Yucatec Maya had influenced and been influenced by Spanish here in the region. I asked Carlos about just that. So even in the the modern Yucatec Maya, are there any... Spanish words that have crept in? Of course. Okay, so of course. a few bits of vocab that maybe... But yes, so um, so for example, depends on on the region. Again, you're you're going. Um, some places will still use like por favor for please or or the the thank you, dios boutique, or some of them might even count in in Spanish, or or some of them just might be um, mistransformed um, Spanish words, but. Um, but they would still use some things, right? Or like, for example, little house, chan casa, right? Or things like that. Oh, okay. But, yeah. yep, depending. How does... Do, do things cross over in the other direction as well? Like, are there any sort of Maya words in the, the, the Spanish that's spoken here? Mm-hmm. For sure. The the Spanish language as a standard language, it has adopted words that come from the Mayan culture, like um, cenote or sacbe, like the white... Um, roads or white paths right on on stone that we see here so those are words that have definitely um, been adopted from the Mayan language now as a more regional level so um, here in the Yucatan area even Spanish speakers unconsciously um, use Mayan lexical so for example like many people grew up here um, not knowing that the word for armpit is axila in Spanish but they use the Mayan word for chic or things like that or <laughs> such a random one to yeah to cross over <laughs> yeah or or like here their belly button they would not use the Spanish one ombligo they would just say touch right or like for example I don't agree with you so they would just say ah to touch 
Yeah, so <laughs> stuff like that, right? So um, it's how the language, um, the Mayan language has really um, survived or made its, its way to our days here. I had one final question for Carlos before getting ready for our later interviews. In his opinion, are there any issues that make it difficult for new generations to learn Yucatec Maya? There are families that are definitely still very um, rooted in, in, in their culture and they want to make sure that it's still spoken, especially because of grandparents or the large family, extended family. If they, um, if they communicate mostly in Mayan, they want to make sure that, of course, their descendants um, know the language or especially if they might be proud like things about like their last name so for example um, especially if they have names like Nikteha which has to do with water or they will want to make sure that they speak the language mm-hmm. um, some issues that have um, come up in modern days is that if the more p- uh, people want to simply um, watch um, TV or want to uh, or use uh, social media or um, or move to to the city to medicine so they start thinking that um, that it is better to simply use the dominant language or or forget that it's important but probably if they um, on the other hand there are still those that Especially when it comes to um, visiting places, archaeological sites or underground caverns or exploring um, other towns south. So they realize that the language has still um, a lot, uh, lots of value, so especially for animals that some people don't even know the, the Spanish name. But in the Mayan language, because it's one syllable, it's easy to remember sometimes. Mm-hmm. One of those medias is Radio Yuyam. We spoke with Myrna, a volunteer at Radio UYM, to find out more. We met Myrna, who we heard from briefly earlier, in what turned out to be a pretty loud coffee shop, so bear with us on the audio quality here. I'm self-taught when it comes to podcast editing and still learning how to tinker with all that stuff. Yeah, because we started with UYM. Yeah. Uh, because first, because we know that there are people who speak Maya living in, in Merida, living in the city. Uh, sometimes they don't have really the chance to practice Maya because the people around don't speak. And also because we know that it's important to speak in Maya, to speak Maya. Uh, we have found that many people is interested, like some uh, even co-workers, yeah. sometimes they say, uh, for example, do you speak Maya? No, I don't. But as soon as we started with Yuyu, they said, I ah, know, I, I can understand. I went on to ask Mana what shows Yuyum shares and when, just as quite a lot of people ordered coffee, it seems. Monday from 5 to 11, and uh, we have a different kind of so, I'll explain this bit. Radio Yuyum is an internet radio, broadcasting live for one evening each week, with classes in Yucatec Maya, stories, talk shows and more. Is Yuyum, is that a Mayan word? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yuyum is the name of a bird. Uh-huh. In Spanish it's Yuya. Okay. So that's the common word. I had a sudden realisation. Most of our time in Merida, we spent in a cosy Airbnb apartment, working away. But there was one weekend it was booked up already, and we had to go to a hotel. The name of our room in that hotel? Yuya. The Yuyas build their nest, not that the regular birds do, like on a branch. No, they build their nest, like, hanging. So ah. it's very, really particular. That's cool. So when, when the wind is it's on, 
you can see those nests like swinging, swinging but yeah. hanging on. Yeah, like as the, like a beautiful description then for the language. Swinging but hanging on, like a yuya nest. Yucatec Maya was beginning to prove its resilience to us, but this was just the beginning. ¿Qué tal? Chabelesh, Cabae, me llamo Jesús Cristóbal Pat Chable, conocido como Pat Boy, soy originario de José María Pino Suárez, municipio de Felipe Cario Puerto, Quintana Roo, México. Pat Boy. That's Pat Boy, a local homegrown rapper who raps in, yep, you've guessed it, Yucatec Maya. He'd just returned from San Francisco when we met, where he'd been meeting Yucatec Mayan speaking fans from the Mexican community there. It would be so easy for him to rap in Spanish. After all, he speaks the language fluently, he'd reach a wider audience, you know the drill. So I was curious as to his decision to rap in Yucatec Maya instead. How did he get started? What was my decision? The decision to rap in Maya? Well, when I was younger, I would listen to rap music with my brothers and mates, and from then it was a hobby, just a pastime. Little by little, music became more important to me. I had a job, I left secondary school when I was 16, I started work, I liked work, and after that I lost my job. But I couldn't get another one because I wasn't 18, as was required by most employers. So the idea to rap, but in Yucatec Maya, was born. I'd already been listening to another singer who did reggae in Yucatec Maya, Santo Santiago, around 2001, 2002. The musicians that were on the radio and the newspapers, you know, I wasn't hearing any rap in Yucatec Maya. So in 2009, I wrote a song about Mayan life called I wrote this first song about a country guy who worked the land. So the motive was to get closer to my roots and my culture because before, I didn't have much of that. So for me, rapping in Maya was a way to learn more about the traditions, things that were going on in my community. I asked Pat Boy if he learned Maya in school or at home. It's my mother language. I learnt it from when I was little. I only started Spanish when I was seven, with some difficulties. It was quite tricky to learn Spanish. With that in mind, I wondered if there was a difference for Pat Boy when writing songs in Yucatec Maya and writing them in Spanish. If you write a song in Yucatec Maya first, then you've got an essence of a more profound topic, and translating that into Spanish is not the same. It changes. You lose a lot of the essence of it, or you create a different style of rap. And the other way, from Spanish to Yucatec Maya, it's not the same. Again, you lose a lot of things. I believe that when you're writing a song, you should think in Yucatec Maya when you're writing that song in Yucatec Maya, right? I've always found music a huge inspiration and a great tool for language learning. So I was curious to find out Pat Boy's opinions on the importance of music, especially when it comes to Yucatec Maya. Oh, what importance? Well, music is a tool that we can have with young people. It's a way for our traditions to reach more people. You can hear music on the radio, TV, with music videos. So it's something that it represents a lot, right? And how about other artists making music in the language? Pat Boy can't be the only one, right? Well, as it turns out, he runs his own record label, with 23 artists, all of whom perform in Yucatec Maya. I'll link to as many as I can in the show notes if you're curious for more. Before I left Pat Boy, I wanted to learn a little Yucatec Maya. I asked him for a phrase to learn. I'll give it a go now, and you can compare and email me to tell me how you think I did after you hear him say it too. Konishk ay. Vamos a cantar. Let's sing. Okay, now over to Pat Boy to prove how it's really done. ¿Cuál frase? <laughs> Una que sea muy fácil. Okay. Con Sky. Con Sky. Vamos a cantar. 
Vamos a contar. Perfecto. Perfecto. Con Eskai. Con Eskai. Con Sky, con Sky. Vamos a cantar. From non-Mayan locals who blend Yucatec Mayan words with their Spanish to radio stations and rappers, there was one more person we were yet to meet. Mi nombre es Vicente Canchemo, originario de Jalacho. Hablo la lengua maya como lengua materna y el español. Vicente started by busting a few of those myths when I asked him what he wished people knew about the language. Bueno, pues me gustaría que la gente supiera que la lengua maya es una Well, I'd like people to know that Yucatec Maya is a living Mayan language, which is spoken by more than 500,000 speakers spread across the Yucatan Peninsula. So that's Yucatan, Campeche, and Quintana Roo. But also, unfortunately, over the past five years or so, the number of speakers has gone down. There used to be around 800,000 speakers, but now there's about 500,000. As well as that, there's plenty of programs, institutional and NGOs, that can strengthen the language and teach new generations because children under five aren't learning Yucatec Maya. We want to keep our language alive and transmit it to our younger generations. Vicente is a head teacher in a primary school. But, as we'll hear in a moment, that's not all he does. It had become clear by this point that, as with many languages in similar situations, children play a key role in keeping the language alive. So, to begin... I wanted to know if Yucatec Maya was being taught in schools. No, no, no lo tienen en las escuelas. No, no, they don't have it in school, really. We consider Yucatec Maya our mother tongue, so we learn it in a family environment. There is a program called which is a government program to teach Yucatec Maya in primary schools from third grade, third, fourth, fifth and sixth grade. However, in the past two years the program has been closing and from the 90 schools that used to teach Yucatec Maya, there's only 70 remaining. If we consider that the program ran in schools that have around 150 children, multiply that by 20 and that's 3,000 children that are no longer learning the language. What about beyond schools? Was the government doing anything else to support the language? They do a lot of things. They do a lot of things in the sense, the, in the part that corresponds to them, the legislative part. They issue lots of laws, record lots of audio and video, but the problem is that lots of times the information doesn't reach the people that need it most. On one occasion, I was practicing with someone and I told them about when the law came out about linguistic rights. The magazine said in a part at the back they published 10,000 copies. So I said, great, 10,000 copies for 10,000 people, but there's 800,000 people that speak the language. So that's a lot of people who didn't get the information and therefore don't know that law. So if there's a law that's about the protection of the Mayan population, then it's important that the Mayan population know about that law. For example, the law states that in all public places, there should be an interpreter or translator for the Mayan population. And when, for example, someone arrives at the hospital speaking Yucatec Maya and no one understands, they can't help. And there's no translator. Well, according to the law, that person should be able to say, I have the right to a translator that can help me in my language. But if no one knows the law, then they can't do anything. So if they speak Yucatec Maya, can't be seen in a hospital in Yucatec Maya, but can in Spanish, then they're obliged to learn Spanish. And they stop speaking Yucatec Maya because that's become a barrier to communication. When, actually, the law of linguistic rights states that if a Mayan lives in their land in the Yucatan Peninsula, they have the right to be addressed in their own language. I said Vicente does more than lead a primary school, right? Strap yourself in, and if you're not already inspired by this episode, prepare to be. Vale, y háblame de lo que haces personalmente uh, para estimular a la gente a aprender la lengua. 
Bueno, pues este, <laughs> hago muchísimas cosas. Eh, the center started experimenting with Flash in 2004, and since then has gone on to produce online games and activities, audio courses, DVD courses, books, blog posts, translating Wikipedia and Mozilla Firefox, among many other things. As he tells me everything he's done, the common thread is always, I realized that not everyone had access to that, so I created this. Then to reach more people, I created that one too. It's insanely inspiring. With so many resources and cultural things being created by the people we spoke to, and more, I wondered if people who aren't of my descent are welcome to use them too to learn a little of the language. Yes, what I would say is that it doesn't seem like there's many people, but really within the cultural circle, there seems to be two types of people. One group for whom the language is alive, it's constantly evolving and changing. I mean, if we compare the Yucatec Maya that young people are speaking today, it's not the same as what their grandparents are speaking. It could be that they mix words, a word undergoes a transformation to adapt to Yucatec Maya, because we're shaping the language. Then, on the other side, there are those who treat the language like a crystal bubble that couldn't possibly undergo any kind of transformation. But my way of thinking is that whoever wants to learn, support or work for Yucatec Maya, then welcome, because it's only going to strengthen our language. Actually, it's surprising, and I've discussed this with my language students previously. On one occasion, there was a guy from Germany who spoke the language perfectly, and they practiced with him. And I said, great, awesome, people from other places are doing something to strengthen the language. Well, if they're doing it, and if they're learning it, then why aren't we? But if someone comes from elsewhere and says, although I have lighter skin, blue eyes, and all that, I'd like to learn it, I identify with the culture, I want to participate with the activities and traditions of the ceremonies, then welcome. Why? Because in one way or another, we need to strengthen our language and I believe that as much as with any language and any population, nothing is 100% pure. We're all mestizos, mixed race in our lives. So what I do is open to everyone. At the end of our interview, I asked Vicente if he has any final words to add. What he says really sums up the whole experience and what we'd learned from meeting all the people we had. So I'll leave the final words of this episode with Vicente. I hope that more people will want to learn our language, Yucatec Maya, to learn about the traditions and customs, because all of that can strengthen our language. I believe that what we speak here is not limited to this area. There are lots of people around the world who speak, learn and teach it. All of that strengthens us, and I'm sure that the language will remain for many more years. I have hope that the language will remain for many more years too. Coming up next time on Language Stories, a mini-episode, we learn about another widely spoken indigenous language in Mexico, the language that gave us the word chocolate, Nahuatl. You've been listening to Language Stories, a podcast by Lindsay Does Languages. If you like what we do and you like video, then head on over to our YouTube channel where you can watch the sister video to this podcast episode. What's great about the videos and the podcasts is that they're different. Using the same interviews, we've created different takes on the story. Just search Lindsay Does Languages on YouTube and on our channel, you'll see the playlist for language stories. Once you've done that, the best things you can do to help us spread the word about language stories are to tell a friend you know will love this too and leave a review on your favourite podcast directory. That's a fancy way of saying where you're listening to this right now. Reviews help us to get found by new listeners, which is pretty important when you're a tiny new fish in a big podcast pond. And finally, if you have a language story you'd love to share, or you know someone that does, then get in touch. You can email me at lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, at doeslanguages.com. That's lindsay at doeslanguages.com. I always love to hear from you. 
Your feedback helps to shape future episodes. And that's important because without shapes, they're just lumps. As always, you can follow me in all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that jazz, and learn more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com. Until next time, keep learning languages and keep sharing stories. Ka-a-a-kate. <laughs> I think that was right. Goodbye.